0: Hello and welcome to the Zeal for Your House podcast. My name is Caleb Griffith and I'm so glad you've joined me today as we look into the Word of God to inform our minds, engage our hearts, renew our spirits, and save our souls. Hello, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of the Zeal for Your House podcast. Today we are continuing in our study of Philippians, and we'll be looking in this episode at Philippians chapter 2. In the previous two episodes, we built the background by seeing the beginning of the church in Philippi, in Acts chapter 16, and how unity is a central theme of the Bible's record of this congregation. Then, we looked at Philippians chapter 1 and saw Paul's desire for Christians to be united in a common purpose, living for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we'll get into Philippians chapter 2 and see the attitude and mindset necessary for biblical unity, which is humble submission. Paul begins in verses 1 and 2 by calling the brethren to be united, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul says, You will make me joyful, by being like-minded, by thinking in the same way, by having a common love for one another, by being in accord with one another, by being united. Notice in verse 1 the words that Paul uses, if any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... If these concepts are realities and meant to be realities in the church, then we need to be like-minded. We need to love one another and be united. As we go through the rest of the chapter, we are going to see how Paul develops the theme of submission in regard to unity. If we want to be united and like-minded, we have to be willing to give up our own thoughts, our own mind, which will differ that of our brethren. For unity to be possible, there must be humility and submission. And we're going to notice four things about submission throughout this chapter. First, we are going to notice submission commanded. Submission commanded. Verses three and four say this, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. First, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Selfish ambition we could define as a personal desire, a means of gaining personal satisfaction, the goal of doing what I want to do. And Paul says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Think for a moment about the implications of that command. This world is just filled with people who want things to go their way, who want to gain things in life for themselves, who want everything to belong to them. People who are full of selfish ambition." ambition in life that is focused on one's self. Paul says do nothing because of selfish ambition. How many choices do we make each day as a means of fulfilling our own desires, as a means of getting what we want, what will make us feel good? The mindset of a Christian is one that is not focused on self. It is not focused on fulfilling my own desires. We think about what James says in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. When we follow after our own desires... Instead of doing what God has commanded us to do, instead of submitting ourselves to his will for our lives, we are being tempted and we are being drawn away. We are being enticed. We are falling into sin. And eventually, if sin is allowed to persist in our lives, it will bring forth death. So let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Don't be focused on fulfilling your own desires. Or, Paul says, let nothing be done through conceit. Conceit is an exalted opinion of oneself. Me looking at myself and thinking about how great I am, how I'm better than everyone else, how much better I am than even just someone else. That's not the attitude of a Christian. A Christian is to be humble. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We are commanded to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. In the same chapter of Romans, in verse number 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. If we are acting in such a way so as to bring glory to ourselves, to let everyone see how good we are, or if we are making decisions based off how good we think we are, then we are not living in a manner worthy of the gospel. After all, that's the direct context of Paul's words here. Back in chapter 1, verse 27, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. If we are living for ourselves, then we are not living for Jesus. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But on the contrary, in lowliness of mind, Rather than thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, we need to realize where we are in lowliness of mind, with humility. Let each esteem others better than himself. It has been wisely said before that humility is not just thinking less of oneself, but thinking of oneself less. It's not degrading oneself and a constantly being down on oneself. It's simply thinking of others more, putting others first, allowing my, giving up what I want in favor of what others want. That submission is characteristic of one who is humble. In verse 4, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Submission involves looking to others what they need and what they want and loving them enough to do those for them, to be focused on what they need rather than what I want. And so in verses 3 and 4, we see submission commanded. But as we continue, we see submission exemplified in verses 5 through 11. We see the ultimate example of submission, And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. In verse 4, or verse 5, "...let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself." and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was in heaven. We think about heaven as that ultimate goal, that desire of all of our hearts, where we want to be for eternity. Jesus was there, and he left. He came here to this earth to be one of us. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says that the word became flesh, And dwelt among us. Jesus became like us. He became subject to the same temptations as us. He was in all points tempted like we are, yet, of course, without sin, as we read in the book of Hebrews. Jesus became subject to the demands of this life. He got hungry. He became thirsty. He needed sleep and rest. We see all of those things throughout Jesus' ministry. He was human. He was one of us. He wasn't always like that. He was once in the form of God. And of course, when he came to this earth, he was still fully divine, but he had taken on flesh. He was now limited in some aspects in what he could do by his flesh. Think about the humility that was required for Jesus to give that up, To give up a place in heaven to dwell on earth. We also think about how Jesus was equal with God. We read in John chapter 17 how he had shared the glory of the Father before the foundation of the world even. Before the world was built and created, Jesus was with God. And Jesus shared his glory. Jesus was equal in rank, so to speak, with God the Father. But he gave that up. He submitted himself to God. The New King James in Philippians 2 and verse 6 says he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Some other translations say he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be held onto. The point being that he was willing to give that up. He was willing to submit himself. In verse 7, he made himself of no reputation, He was born to a carpenter. He wasn't born into a high and noble family to be a ruler of earth. He was born really as a peasant. He took the form of a bondservant, of a slave. He didn't come to this earth when when he did as recorded in the gospels, to be a king, to be a ruler of men. He came in the form of a servant. We read in Mark chapter 10 how he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came in the likeness of men. He became like one of us. To do that, he had to humble himself. He even went to the cross to suffer and die for the sins of others, sins he had not committed, Jesus submitted himself to the Father, and really, in a sense, he submitted himself to us to take care of our needs rather than focusing on what was best for him. We read in verses 9 through 11 how God has now highly exalted him, and that's what humility does. Humility is when, rather than exalting ourselves, we submit ourselves to God. And he is the one, James chapter 4 and verse 10, that lifts us up, that exalts us. If you want to know what it looks like to be humble and submissive, simply look to Jesus, to the way he lived, to even the fact that he lived on this earth. And we see submission exemplified. We continue to verses 12 through 16, and we see submission explained. What does it really mean for us to submit to God as Christians? In verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When we are saved, that is not the end of the story, so to speak. It is the beginning. Paul says here to work out our salvation. That is to exercise it, to fulfill it in our lives. And to do so with fear and trembling, with a respect and reverence given to God. And that means with humility in our hearts. And why do we do that? Because, verse 13 God is working in us. He is working in us to will, to do His will, to do His good pleasure, to change who we are so that we are living for Him, so that we have that purpose of chapter 1 for the furtherance of the gospel. We submit to God by allowing Him to work in us, by constantly looking to His Word to learn of the people He would have us to be and being willing to give up our own desires in favor of doing the will of God. That's what submission looks like. Now what does that require? Verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing. If we are arguing or disputing with what God has said or what his will is for us, or if we are complaining about having to obey God, we are not showing an attitude of submission. We are still focused on ourselves, on what we want and what we want to get out of life instead of humbling ourselves to submit to God. That's also characteristic of one who is not submitting himself to his brethren, as we are commanded to do in verses 3 and 4. If we are complaining about having to serve others, or disputing with our brethren, drawn, drawn up in quarrels and arguments with one another, we are not submitting. Why does Paul say to do all things without complaining and disputing? Verse 15, he tells us the reason that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We submit to God and we submit to one another because we are called to be examples to the world, to shine lights to the world, to show them the gospel and to show them Christ We can't do that if we are living in a manner contrary to the gospel. If we are living in a manner contrary to the mind of Christ, as we read in Philippians 2 verse 5, that we are to have the mind of Christ in us. If we want to be blameless, that people can look at us and find no fault, no charge to put against us by the word of God if we want to be harmless, to not bringing harm upon others or hurting the cause of Christ, if we want to be without fault, we need to submit to God and to our brethren. We need to do so without complaining and without disputing. That's how we can shine as lights to this world that is all about self. That's all about getting things my way. That's how we can be different. Paul finishes this sentence in verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You see, if the Philippians gave up, if they left the cause of Christ and went back to living however they wanted, Paul's work, his labor for them would have been in vain. That's why he tells them in verse 12 to fulfill, to work out their salvation, to to go the course, to finish the race, to not quit. We cannot afford to give up as Christians. We need to hold fast to the word of life, hold fast to the will of God and submit ourselves to him. But in the rest of this chapter we see submission characterized. You see, we've already seen submission exemplified in the the life of Christ. But sometimes it can be daunting to think about imitating Christ. After all, He is God, and He is the Son of God. He was perfect and sinless. And we think, how can we measure up to that standard? But in the rest of this chapter, we see three people who had the mind of Christ, who showed that same humility and submission. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And so we can see people who were just like us, who sometimes sinned and sometimes fell short, but they had the mind of Christ. First we see Paul in verses 17 and 18 Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. With Paul, we see sacrificial service. Paul was willing to be poured out like an offering, that is to go to waste himself, to help their faith, to strengthen them in the faith, to help them see the gospel. And he said, even if I am being poured out and used up in service to you, I am glad and I rejoice with you all and I want you to rejoice with me. Paul demonstrated the mind of Christ in his sacrificial service. He was completely willing to give himself up and sacrifice himself to help others, to help the Philippians. Then in verses 19 through 24, we see Timothy. And Timothy exemplifies the mind of Christ in his sincere service. I trust in the Lord Jesus, Paul says, to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own Not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Timothy was one who served others sincerely. We look around us and we see everyone seeking their own, doing things out of selfish ambition and conceit. But the mind of Christ and those who seek the things which are of Christ Jesus... They serve others with sincerity, with authenticity, truly loving others and caring for others, and therefore serving others, submitting to others. And then number three, we see submission characterized in the man Epaphroditus. In verse 25, Paul says, I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. If you remember the background of this letter, Paul is sending this letter partly because he is thanking the Philippians for supporting him, for financially supporting him in his ministry when he had need. And Epaphroditus, we learn from this verse, was the one who delivered that support. And now Paul sends Epaphroditus back to the Philippians, most likely with this letter. We continue and read how Epaphroditus was distressed in verse 26 because the Philippians had heard that he became sick. He became sick, we read in verse 27, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. So Epaphroditus is on this journey becoming sick and he becomes sick almost to the point of dying and he becomes distressed because the Philippians heard that he was sick. Now why is that? You see Epaphroditus wasn't worried about himself but when he learned that his brethren knew about his condition and would be worrying over him that's what made him distressed you see Epaphroditus was a man of selfless service he was not focused on himself or his own condition in any regard and Paul says in verse 30 and verses 29 and 30 to hold men like Epaphroditus in esteem in honor because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in their service to Paul Epaphroditus was not concerned with himself, Even with his own life, he wanted to serve. He wanted to serve Paul, and he wanted to serve his brethren. And so we see submission characterized in the life of Paul with sacrificial service, in the life of Timothy with sincere service, and in Epaphroditus with selfless service. We think about what it looks like for people to have the mind of Christ, to imitate Christ who humbled himself and submitted to his Father and served others. And those are people who do not complain when life doesn't go their way, who aren't always arguing and needing everything to go exactly the way they want it. These are people who are sacrificial, who are willing to give up even themselves, who are selfless, who aren't focused on themselves, but are sincere in their love and their concern for others. These are people who are not acting because of selfish ambition, because of what they want, or out of conceit because of who they think they are, but acting because of who they think others are, esteeming others as better than themselves, and acting because of what others want, looking out for their interests. These are people who, when the world looks at them, will see how different they are. They will be like light in the midst of darkness, They will be blameless, harmless, without fault, even in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation because they are submitting themselves to God, because they are God's children, because they are humble enough to submit to each other. And if we in the church can have this attitude, this mindset of humble submission, Think about the unity that we could have with one another. If each of us were focused on helping one another and fulfilling each other's needs and submitting ourselves to one another and what the other wants in honor giving preference to one another, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says. That is how unity is accomplished. And when unity is accomplished, that is how we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel and that is how the gospel is furthered in this world that is how christ is shown to the people around us and so paul calls us to be united to be united through a humble submission thank you for listening to the zeal for your house podcast I'm Caleb Griffith, and it has been a pleasure to share thoughts from the Word of God with you today. If you have questions or comments on the episode, or if you are interested in further discussion of today's topic, or if you simply want to learn more about God, Jesus, and the Bible, I gladly invite you to contact me. You can reach me by email at zealforyourhouse217 at gmail.com. Or you can find the Zeal for Your House page on Facebook or Instagram and message me there. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.